we're starting a new series today, something that we're calling cliché. And these are things that you often hear Christians say to other people. And so these kind of become these, these cultural belief systems that we attribute to God. And they sound very religious. They sound very religious. They sound good. The problem is, in reality, God never said these things. And so we, we say these cliches. We try and make someone feel better. We try and make ourselves feel better. And we, we use these cliches. And there's maybe a hint of truth in these cliches. But they are not true in themselves. So some of the cliches we're going to look at in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the cliche that aren't we all God's children? Aren't we all God's children? We're going to look with this one. Maybe you've heard this before. God helps those who help themselves. Is that, what, is that true? Is that the way that God operates? We're going to look at this, uh, this statement. Maybe you've heard this before. That God will never give you more than you can handle. I mean, how many of you have ever heard that before? How many of you have ever said that to somebody else before? We're going to look at that and see what, what God would have to say. Because the problem is when we speak these cliches, and if they're, they're not full of truth, we're really not doing any help for anybody. They're not helpful. John chapter 8 verse 32. Uh, Jesus is talking. He talks about truth. And he says, the truth shall set you free. And so when we've got people around us and they're struggling, we want to encourage them. The best thing we can do is not give them a cliche. The best thing that we can do is give them truth. Because truth is going to be found. Healing is going to be found in the truth. And so today we're going to look at perhaps uh, the most popular cliche, the most popular misbelief about God in our American society. Okay, And it's this, this idea... That you may have heard this before, that God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. Above everything else, God wants me to be happy. This is what our American society has bought into. In fact, when you look at the, uh, the, the, the United States Constitution, it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, uh, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so this becomes part of our cultural uh, expectation as we have this desire and we have this right that we feel that we have the right to pursue happiness. Now, I'm all for happiness. In fact, I love being happy. And so, in fact, when I'm taking the kids to school in the morning, this is what oftentimes I'll do is I'll put my phone onto the, to, to the radio in the car and I'll play this little bit of a song that goes like this. Oh, there's no audio for it. It, there, it would have been really funny. It would have been really funny if there was audio. Because I'm... There we, okay. Uh, we, we missed it. A for effort. A for effort. I, I'm good with, with happiness. But the problem is, it's because of the way our culture has viewed it, that this pursuit of happiness becomes, uh, consumes us. It becomes supreme in our life. In fact, I think about the movie Pursuit of Happiness... Uh, that has Will Smith in it, if you saw that movie. Uh, Will Smith, he, he's ha- in the beginning, beginning of the movie, he's having troubles with his wife. And his wife is arguing with him. And she says, I'm just not happy. And, and re- Will's response is, then go. Go get happy. Because if happiness is our ultimate goal, then that has to be the, the thing that we pursue above everything else. Is go, go be happy. Go be happy. And this pursuit, it consumes our lives. It consumes what we are all about. And here's what I want to express a little bit of caution. Because if happiness is, is the, 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 cons- the biggest goal in your life, if happiness is the number one thing, it's going to cause you 
to, to start believing some lies about God. Because if you believe that God above everything else, God just wants you to be happy, it's going to lead you down a road of other misbeliefs. Okay? If, if, if you think God's supreme goal is your happiness, here's what's going to happen. Here's some things you have to begin to start believing. Number one, you're going to have to believe that whatever makes you happy, that has got to be right. I mean, if, if ultimately God wants you to be happy, whatever makes you happy has got to be right. And whatever makes you unhappy, on the flip side, has got to be wrong, right? I mean, in fact, there's a song by this. I'll date myself by telling you how old I am. But there was a song in the 1990s by Sheryl Crow. The song was, if it makes you happy, then it can't be that bad. Remember that song? So if you believe that God's ultimate goal for you is your happiness, then number one, you're going to start to believe that whatever makes you happy is right. Whatever makes you wrong is, or whatever makes you unhappy is wrong. And second thing you're going to start to believe, you're going to start to believe that any difficulty or delay or suffering or obstacle in your life, there's no way that can be a part of God's will. There's no way that anything bad in your life can be a part of what God would want for you. So if things aren't going right in your life, that's because God's not working, because God's not present, because God's gone, because God is not there. And the third thing that's going to happen is if we believe that God's ultimate goal for us is our happiness, is we're going to begin to worship the false gods of comfort and money and pleasure and things. And here's the root problem here. Because if we believe that God ultimately wants us to be happy, we are forced to believe that God exists to serve us. I mean, if that's the way that God works, if God wants us above everything else to be happy, then we have to begin to believe that God exists to serve us. Like God is this big vending machine, this big Coke machine, right? You put your coins in the Coke machine, and then you push your button, and now you wait. You've done your part. You've done your part. Now you're waiting for it to, to perform for you. You're waiting for the machine to give you what you want. And when we begin to view God in this way, we view God as being very transactional. We talked about this last week, that God becomes a transactional God. Where we say, well, God, I've said my prayers. God, I even went to church. God, I, I tried to be good. God, I, I, I put some money in the offering plate. I even went to life group. I even volunteered in the kids ministry. God, I've done all these things for you. God, I even swerved around my neighbor's cat instead of running over it. God, I've done all these good things for you. And now, because I've done that, therefore, God, you need to make my life good. You need to get rid of all the headaches. You need to make sure all the girls want to go out with me. God, you need to give me the new job. God, you need to give me the new house. God, I've done my part. Therefore, God, I deserve this from you. You need to make me happy. And what's so sad, what is so sad is people have walked away from God because of this wrong belief. Because they've said this. They've said, well, I, I tried. I tried God, and God didn't make me happier in my life. I, I, I tried religion. I, I read the Bible. I went to church. I did life group. And yet, I still got cancer. And yet, my kids are still rebellious. And yet, I'm not better, any better off financially. This God thing, we make the conclusion, this God thing doesn't work. Because if we believe that God exists to make us happy, God will eventually fail you. And it's not that God actually failed you. It's that you had a wrong belief about how God works. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this cliche, God wants me to be happy. 
We're going to say, what is, what is the truth in there, and what does God really want in, in our lives? So, so I think the first thing we want to do is we want to address, what is God's ultimate goal for humanity? What is God's ultimate goal for you and I? Let's clarify what this is. Is it happiness? What is God's ultimate goal for us? And I want you to, uh, you can turn there, if you can turn there quick, I'll also have the, the, the text behind me on the screen. Isaiah chapter 43 the prophet Isaiah, uh, speaking on behalf of God, says, says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by na- my name, whom I have created for my glory, who I formed and who I made. God's ultimate purpose for you, God's ultimate purpose for me, God's ultimate purpose for humanity is that we would glorify God. With our lives, that we would live lives in such a way that would bring glory and honor and praise to God. This is what the gospel is all about. The fact that we are, are, are made right to God, the fact that we are forgiven of our sins, not because we've been good people, not because we're so righteous, but we have been right, made right with God because of what God has done for us by sending Jesus to the cross. That our, our eternity, our, our spot in heaven is not based on us. It's based on us submitting to God. And when we actually live that way, that brings such glory to God. Because it makes it, look how good he is. Look how wonderful he is. Not look how good and great we are. It's look how good and glorious he is. This is why Easter is such a great celebration. This is why Easter has got to be one of my favorite Sundays of the year because it's all about God. It's all about the cross. It's all about the resurrection. It's all about bringing glory to, to God and what he has done. This is what brings God glory. And this is God's goal for us is that we would live lives that would bring glory to him, that would glorify him. That our goal in life is not to pursue happiness. But our goal in life is to pursue him. We don't pursue him for the byproduct of happiness. We don't pursue him like that vending machine where we just put our money in hoping to get something in return. No, we pursue him because of who he is. That we would live lives that would bring glory and honor to him. So what is God's ultimate goal for our lives? Listen, you need to know it's not happiness. His ultimate goal is that we would live lives that would glorify him. Now, I recognize this. We're all a little depressed right now, right? Well, if, man, that stinks. God's goal is not my happiness. That kind of stinks. But here's what you do need to know. I do believe that God delights in our happiness, right? Like any parent, any parent, they, they are happy. They're joyful when their kids are happy. When their kids are happy, they're doing pretty good. But it's not their ultimate goal. Let me give you a little example of this. Uh, I've got a son, Oliver. I, is he in here today? Oliver is, is nine years old, and he's been uh, doing this thing called Mileage Club at school, okay? And he, he runs two days a week, and he runs during recess. He takes his recess, and instead of going and, and, and swinging on the swings, he runs in a circle, and it's great, okay? And he's been working really hard to get to the 100-mile hundred, hundred club. So he's, go, he's going to do that this week. He's going to get to 100 miles, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I don't think I've run 100 miles in my life, let alone in a school year. So he's going to cross this, 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 this thing. He's going to get to 100 miles, and he's going to be so happy. And when he crosses that finish line, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be happy for him because I know how hard he worked into it. But his happiness is not my highest priority. Because imagine little Oliver running across the finish line, and as soon as he runs across the finish line, he starts laughing at all the kids. Ah, I'm not, I got more miles than you. He starts flipping them off. Yeah, look at me. I'm better than you. Like at that moment... 
His happiness is not my ultimate goal. At that moment, man, he's got another thing coming. Because that's not the way that you live, right? But how many of us live our lives like that? Where we make happiness our number one thing. We think, God, doesn't matter what I do. You should be happy that I'm happy. And so we live our lives and we do all sorts of dumb things because they make us happy. All the while, we're abusing the people around us. We're mistreating them. We're flipping them off. We're saying, I don't care how you feel. I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy. Listen, God's ultimate goal is not our happiness in that moment. God delights in our happiness, but that's not his ultimate goal. And so here are a couple areas that, that God does not delight in our happiness. God does not want us happy two specific times. God does not want us happy when it causes us to do something wrong or unwise. Okay, God does not want us happy when it causes us to do something stupid and sinful, right? I mean, this is where you might enjoy something for a season. You might enjoy it for a little while, but ultimately it's the wrong thing. Ultimately it's unwise. For example, uh, when I was in middle school, my mom bought this little white moped, this little uh, white step-through moped. It was great. It was a white two-wheeled hog, 50 cc's of pure speed. It was wonderful. Now, we had this rule. We had this rule because I was young that I could only ride in the backyard in a circle when mom was home. So that was the only time I could ride this hog, right? So what do you think, what do you think I did on the very first day that school got out half day and I had the house to myself? I'll tell you what I did. I went and got this log that was about that big, and I put it down on the road, and I took a piece of plywood, and I put the plywood on top of it, and I started up that hog, and I got ready, and I hit full throttle. I think there's only one speed on the thing, so you don't hear the gears changing. I'm full throttle going, and I hit that ramp, and I'm sailing through the air like evil Knievel flying over the Grand Canyon. I'm like... Whoa, this is amazing. Look down below. I'm, I'm like six inches off the ground, but I'm flying. My hair's flying. I didn't have hair. I'd never had hair. I'm, but I'm just flying. This is great. And then I landed. And I don't know exactly what happened. The wheel kind of turned. And then there was a curb on the sidewalk, and I hit the curb, and I went flying over the handlebars. And the, the moped goes, drops on the ground and scrapes on the ground for like five or ten feet. And I get up. And you ever fall onto asphalt where there's like rocks stuck to my face and my hands and my legs. And, and, and my, my, my ankles all messed up. I'm just bloody all over the place. And I pick up the moped. I'm like, oh man. The, the turn signal's broken. The headlight's broken. The little brake handle is broken. The whole side is all scraped up. My mom's like, did you have a wreck on it? Yeah, I think I may have. Listen, isn't that what we do with life, though? I mean, we're going, and this is fun. It makes me happy. But then we hit the curb, and things begin to fall apart. Proverbs chapter 14 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but the end, uh, but the end of the way is death. See, the Bible is going to teach us not to pursue happiness. The Bible is going to teach us to pursue holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says, Just as he who called you is holy, just as God who has called us, just as God is holy, you and I are to be holy in all that we do. To be holy means for us to be set apart. For us to live in a way that is different. 
This is one of the ways that we glorify God with our lives is that we live in a way that is different and set apart from the rest of the world. That we live holy lives. But again, if, if we believe that our ultimate goal in life, that God's ultimate goal for us is our happiness, we're not going to live this kind of holy life. For example, I've got a friend who uh, called me a couple months ago. And I'm like, oh man, how are things going? He said, man, things are rough. He said, Kevin, we're going to get a divorce. And I'm shocked. I'm like, what? what? Where's this coming from? What is going on? And it was the same story that you and I have heard time after time after time. He said, Kevin, I'm not happy. She's not happy. So we're getting a divorce. Listen, if you've been through that, you've experienced, you know the pain, you know the devastation of that. Listen, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. But when they stood at the altar that day and they got married, they made a covenant, a holy and eternal covenant. They stood before that altar in front of God. Not just me, not just their family and friends. They stood in front of God and said, till death do us part. Listen, in that moment, God's highest calling for them, it's not their happiness. God's highest calling for them is their holiness. When they created that covenant, they made a commitment before God. Till death do us apart, through, through, through good and through bad, through rich or poor, in sickness and in health. And in those times when things are rough, listen, you've got you to gotta work through the worst to find the better. That's what happens. You make a covenant in humility. You say, things are falling apart. I'm going to go and get some help. We're going to go find some counseling. We'll do what we can to move from this worst scenario to this better scenario and honor the covenant that we made before God when we stood at that altar. But isn't, isn't this what so many of us do? We wrongly believe that our primary goal, the primary thing that God wants for us is our happiness. And it empowers us to do all sorts of wrong and dumb decisions. And we have this great ability to justify it. Well, I can justify doing this because God wants me to be happy and I'm not happy right now. I'm not happy, so I need to be happy. I mean, there are just unending examples of the way this plays out in our life. For example, one night you just decide to eat the cake. Like not a piece of cake. You decide to eat the whole thing, right? Now that's not very wise for you, but it makes us happy, right? That's the way it works out. You may have a, you may have a job that you hate. You have a boss that is a jerk. Despite the fact that you have a family to provide for, despite the fact that you have bills that are due, man, it would make you so happy to walk into your boss's office and say, take this job and shove it. Be so good for you. And you feel so happy to quit. Even though you have no other job. Even though you have no other way to provide for your family. And you justify it. Well, I was just unhappy. Men, this is where you say, my spouse isn't meeting my needs. And so I'm going to start watching those videos on the computer. I'm going to start pulling that up on my phone. And I know it's wrong, but I'm just not happy. And this makes me happy. This meets my needs. So I can justify because this makes me happy. The list goes on and on. What about entertainment? You ever notice how much of the entertainment that we watch is completely filthy? But we justify it and say, well, it's so funny. 
It's so funny. So it's okay. No, it's not. Wrong is still wrong. Funny doesn't make a wrong right. What are the shows that you watch? What are the shows that you justify? Because, well, it's just funny. Honestly, when we talk about living holy lives, living lives that are set apart, that are different, listen, non-Christians, they would completely make fun of the things that we can talk about here on a Sunday morning. They would make fun of the fact that I would say that God's ultimate goal for you is not your happiness in your marriage, but your holiness. Listen, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd make fun of myself too. But if you are a Christian, if you claim Jesus Christ is your Savior, we live to a higher standard. We have a higher standard. God doesn't necessarily want you to be happy when it causes you to do wrong and unwise and sinful things. He tells us, just as he who is holy, you be holy in all that you do. The second time that God's not concerned with our happiness is he's not concerned with our happiness when it is based on the things of the world. Right? I mean, you just watch TV and you watch all of the commercials. And there's this formula that the advertising campaigns and the commercials, there's this formula that they give us time and time again. Better possessions. You've got to have the newer, the faster, uh, the shinier, the bigger. You've got to have the, 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 the thrilling experiences. You've got to have the, the perfect vacation. If you, your kids have to be the best on the best sports teams, you've got to have uh, the, the, the biggest thrill. And then you've got to have the right relationships, right? You've got to have the right one. And if it's not right, you can trade it in for something different, for something newer, for something younger, for something better. Just trade it in to find a better spouse. And you've got to have the perfect appearance. Why we have found a generation of CrossFit junkies. And you have all these things. If you have the, the better relationships and the thrilling experiences and the right relationships and, and the perfect appearance, all of those things together equals happiness. And we could just get there, we'd be set, right? You know how much of a hamster wheel this is for us? In fact, I was talking to a friend just a couple weeks ago, and they were saying, you know, the struggle is, everybody around me, the struggle is, how do I not compare myself to them? Because everybody else is going after all these things. Everybody else in the world, this is a Christian person I was talking to. They're saying, listen, all of my friends, they're pursuing the possessions. They're pursuing the relationships. They're pursuing the experiences. They're pursuing uh, the, the perfect body. And the struggle is, how do I stop comparing myself to them? Because it makes me want what they've got. Listen, 1 John chapter 2. The Apostle John, this is what John would say to us regarding this idea about our happiness coming from things of this world. He would say, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. And listen to this. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Did you hear that? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ouch. Has anybody else got just a little bit of conviction on that? A little bit of fear? And maybe I am just a little bit too much in love with this world because this is very clear. If you are in love with the world and the things this world has to offer, Scripture says that the love of the Father it's not in you. And John continues and says, for, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life 
is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is going to pass away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Listen, God delights in our happiness. He does. He absolutely wants us to be happy, but he does not want us to be happy when, his, when our happiness is based on the things of this world. And he does not want us to be happy when it causes us to do unwise and wrong and sinful things. But in fact, when we start talking about happiness, God wants to give us something even greater than just happiness. God wants to give us joy. Now, you hear these two words, happiness and joy, and these words are very similar, but they have very different meanings. Happiness is often related to your circumstances. So that's the formula. As long as the circumstances are just right, then I will be happy. But joy is completely different. Joy is, uh, transcends our circumstances. Joy is something that is supernatural. Joy is given to you from God. The idea of joy is tied to blessedness. Hashtag blessed. You ever go on social media and you see that family? You see that family and they've got this, this perfect little picture taken. And everybody's sitting there and they've got the matching outfits and they're all smiling just perfectly. You look at that picture and then they post and they're like, hashtag blessed. Except for the fact that you didn't see what went behind the scenes to get the, everybody in that picture. You didn't hear mom screaming, smile, stop poking each other. You didn't see the debt they're in. You don't see the struggle in the marriage. You don't see those things, but... On the surface, hashtag blessed, right? Listen, that's not the blessed life. Proverbs chapter 21 says, For you make him most blessed forever. For you make him glad with the joy, and here's the key, of your presence. See, if you want to experience joy, not just happiness related to this world, you want to experience joy, you want to experience blessedness, Notice how it is related to the presence of God. This is where God is not some transactional God. That we do our part and then he in turn gives us what we want. No, God is a relational God. God wants us to focus on inviting his presence into our lives. That doesn't mean that God's going to remove the difficulty. The reality is we live in a fallen world, do we not? Listen, there's coming a day when God's going to come and redeem the whole thing. And we're waiting for that. And that's going to be great and glorious. But until that day comes, we live in a broken world. There's brokenness all around us. In fact, Jesus even says in John, he says, you will have trouble. It is a promise. You are going to have trouble in this life. And we're looking for this pain-free life. We're looking for this perfect life for, for happiness. And what God would say to us is God wants to give you something better than just happiness. God wants to give you true joy and blessedness that is tied to his presence. That if we would just learn to seek the presence of God in our life, to continually seek after him, that we would experience this joy, this blessedness. But that presence is something that we are so quick to set aside. And say, I know I should be seeking your presence, God, but instead I'm going to go seek happiness. I'm just going to go what makes me happy. And we say, God, yeah, maybe you can come along with me, God. But I'm not going to seek your presence first and foremost. And what God would say, if we would just seek his presence and be in his presence and seek after him, God would say, I would give you my presence. I would give you blessedness. I would give you joy. 
That God would meet us in the, in the good and the bad, in the middle of the storms. That he would encourage us. That he would strengthen us. That he would help us keep our eye on him. That he would help us keep our confidence in him, on his sovereign plans. You know, I'll be honest, for myself, I find myself to be somewhat emotional. So when things are going good, man, I'm happy. I'm, things are going good in my life, man, I'm there. And then as soon as things start going rough, man, I begin to struggle. It's just the way that I am wired. But do you ever see those people, you ever see those people in life where it doesn't matter what's going on in life? It doesn't matter if things are good or bad. Just if things start, if the crap starts hitting the fan, you see that person and they are at complete peace. They're just resolved. They're just confident. Listen, that's joy. That is what it's like to live a blessed life. And it comes with the relationship with God. It comes from the supernatural presence and power of God. That in the middle of difficult circumstances, they can still have joy. They can still have peace. They can still have confidence. That is what I'm trying to be like. That is what I want in my life. Not just happiness related to my circumstance, but a joy and a blessedness irregardless of the circumstance. That I can be confident in him. That I can have peace in all situations. Reminds me of a story that I heard Max Lucado. He's a, he's a Christian author and pastor. And he told the story that I think fits this context, right? So I imagine you got a fish. You got a fish and you're going to take the fish to the beach. We're going to go down to Lincoln City. We're going to go down to the beach. You've got Moe's in the background. You've got the seals out in the water in front of you. You take this fish down to the beach. And you set this fish in the sand. Is that fish going to be happy? Yes or no? No, the fish isn't going to be happy. Okay, well, what if, what if you gave the fish a big old fat wad of cash? $100,000. Put it right there on the beach next to the fish. Is the fish going to be happy? No. No? No. Well, what if, what if the fish is there and you gave him a lounge chair? And you gave him one of those fruity drinks with the cool umbrellas that come up? And you gave him a copy of Playfish magazine? Is that fish going to be happy? Is that fish happy? No. How come? Because the fish wasn't created for the sand. The fish was created for the ocean. It's created for the water. Imagine if you had everything that this world had to offer. Think about it. If you had everything this world had to offer, would you be ultimately and lastingly happy? No, you wouldn't. Why? Because you're like that fish. You weren't created for the sand. You weren't created for this earth. You were created for heaven. You were created for eternity. And our little time on earth is just a blip. We are here for a minute and then we're gone and we move into the rest of eternity. This is why you and I need to learn to lower our expectations for the things of this world. Because no new car no new job, no new house, no new relationship will satisfy the cravings of your heart because you weren't created for this world. You were created for another world. And the void inside of you is a Christ-shaped void that will only be filled by him. Listen, there are some in here, I know you've tried it all. You've tried all the things that this world has to offer. You've partied your brains out. You've consumed all that this world could give you. You've rearranged your body. You've traded one spouse for another. And, and ultimately, you get to the end of that and you realize nothing fulfills. You're like Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. I've tried it all. It's all vain. 
Because you and I were not created for this earth. We were created for eternity. And we will never be satisfied with this world. This world is an imitation. It's a counterfeit. It's kind of like, it's kinda like that, uh, that, that wet cat food that comes in a can. You put that and try and make crab dip out of that. That's disgusting. That's not what it's meant for. It's an imitation. I thought that was going to be funnier than it really was, but I put that in there anyways. God has offered us something so much greater that we can experience if we would live our lives solely submitted to him and seeking his glory in our life, seeking his presence. He's not giving us an imitation. He's giving us joy and blessedness. This is deeper than happiness. It is an unspeakable joy. It is found in his presence and in his power. Therefore, you and I, we've got to learn. We've got to try. We've got to struggle to lower our expectations of this earth. Because this is not what we were created for. We were created for heaven. Listen, Restoration Church, above all, God does not want you to be happy when it causes us to do something sinful or unwise. God doesn't want us to be happy when it's based on the things of this world. God has offered something far greater than that. He has offered us joy, blessedness. And we have the ability to tap into his goodness. That in every circumstance, we can experience his supernatural peace. We can experience true blessedness. So does God want us happy? No. God wants us holy. God wants us to pursue him. And the byproduct of that is greater than happiness. It's joy. It's blessedness. Let's pray.